You are listening to Forging Employee Experience. I'm Josh Green, joined here by Alexander Norin. How are you, buddy? Doing great. I'm feeling, feeling rested today, which is surprising because it's Friday. And typically by the end of the week, I'm just so tired. I'm ready to sleep through the weekend and get started again. But I slept in this morning mm. and it was phenomenal. Huh. Yeah. Well, well deserved. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I, I did wake up to a toddler breathing on my face, but <laughs> it was okay because that happened, you know, two hours later than it normally does. So it was good. I'm energized. I'm ready to go. You know what's getting me energized right now? Huh? The fact that we have a wonderful guest for the mm-hmm. podcast mm-hmm. right here. That's today, right. listeners, we have Amy Capilanti-Wolf joining us today. Amy, how are you? I am great. I did not sleep in. I'm energized uh, to be on this, um. on this podcast with you guys. So. <laughs> well, we're really happy to have you. There you Thank go. You. you have too much going on in your world. Listeners, before we jump in, let me just tell you a little bit more about Amy. She is the Chief Human Resources Officer at Symantec, the world's largest cybersecurity software company. Amy was recently named one of the top 50 most influential women tech leaders by the National Diversity Council. Amy is also an official member of, of the Forbes Human Resources Council since September of 2018 and a new member of the Better Works HR Advisory Council. That is just the most recent things. <laughs> also a lot of other exciting things like she's been HR director for a lot of other yeah. uh, major organizations yeah. including Disney. Disney. Right? You HR director for Disney for a number of years if I'm not mistaken. Yes. Yes, that's that? right. Was it as magical and, and wonderful as we could expect? Yes. Um, you know what's cool about Disney? So very often when you take a, a, a job with a company, you really want to believe in the mission. Mm-hmm. And the mission of Disney is around creating memorable experiences for people. So I worked in Orlando with Imagineering, which is a very cool arm of Disney that builds and designs the theme parks and the resorts and the experiences guests and visitors have at Disney. And I worked in the Epcot pavilion. So if I had a bad day, I'd walk out of my office and go on a ride and come back and be ready to go. (laughs) Now there's an employee experience for you. If you don't have roller coasters at your office, everybody, (laughs) you're doing it wrong. Awesome. Awesome experience. And there's, there's, there's so much to unpack here, Amy. So maybe uh, tell us a little bit more about you. Is there anything that we missed there? Anything that we need to know? Uh, I guess probably for me, um, I have been in human resources for most of my professional career, and I've worked in so many different industries, whether it's consumer goods with Pepsi and Frito-Lay, whether it's entertainment with Disney, or whether it's technology with Sun and Cisco and Silver Spring and now Symantec. And I have to say, uh, employees all have similar needs in those organizations. So the, the businesses may be different, but what employees expect from their leadership, from their management, from their daily lives amongst working with their peers is very, very similar. So the good news is the work we do is, is very impactful and transferable across industries. Don't let anybody tell you it's not that. Mm-hmm. And I've learned so much along the way and continue to learn about this stuff. That's awesome. Well, well, get us started then here mm-hmm. because the reason why we're so excited to have you here is, is because you've been in the trenches so long. You, you've right. been doing this. You are a practitioner in the industry. And, and so you know probably more than others about employee engagement. Yeah. How, how would you define engagement? Well, there's the, there's the textbook term of engagement is an employee's desire to provide you know, discretionary uh, uh, input and contributions above and beyond their regular day. And I think 
while that sounds textbook, that's kind of what engagement's about. Engagement is I'm all in. I believe where this company's going. I trust the leadership. I feel safe and secure both physically and, and mentally. I have a voice and I give my best self to work every day. And those to me are the elements that I, I think people are looking for. They're doing challenging work, working with interesting, diverse people, and what they do makes a difference. And that to me is, is probably the best way to describe engagement and how I think about it and how I lead HR every day. Well, and, and I love that definition because, you're, I mean, pairing that with, with what you had said just before that, it's, it, it, it is universally applicable, right? I mean, it doesn't matter what, what yeah. industry you're in. People, we're all people, right? And, and there are the things that we value the most in the workplace um, really fall into exactly what you just mentioned about, about engagement. So I'd be interested to hear, though, I, you know, it's, it's, it is when we apply those strategies on a, on a smaller scale versus a larger scale, though, I think we run into some interesting issues. And with your experience working with very large companies, um, how has that been trying to implement strategies that affect, you know, lots and lots of employees versus perhaps some of the smaller organizations that may be able to, um, you know, it's, it's a little bit easier, I think, if you're dealing with a couple dozen employees or 100 employees to, to make craft that work experience. Um, but how has it been well, a larger one? Yeah, it's a it's a great question, and I've had the I've had the pleasure of doing a startup, so I get it when they're early days. Mm-hmm. I can kind of touch everybody and get them from connected versus being in a larger scale company. And I would say, um, in larger companies, you have to first of all start with a really aligned strategy of the business. Because if you aren't clear about where the business is going, what the the big rocks are, you have to deliver to support your customers, your investors, your employees, and your shareholders. You're not clear about the markets, your competitors. Uh, landscape by which you do business, if that's not clearly understood and everyone has a line of sight about where the company is going, then you won't get engaged employees. That's the big half of the equation is the strategy piece and being able to articulate it and and metric it down the organization. So folks know, I know how I can perform or what I can contribute to help us achieve those goals. On the other side of it uh, in large companies is what's the kind of culture, the behaviors, the norms, that you really that you really covet, and that you hold uh, people accountable to, and culture without strategy is just words on paper, and the same as strategy without culture is, is again words on paper. So those two have to go really together, and it requires a lot of work. And I think sometimes people think that cultures are accidental, and if they're accidental, they kind of unravel as you expect them to, based on what people bring to work every day with their, their past experiences. This work is very purposeful. And so in large companies, you have to work really hard about communicate, 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 a lot of uh, closed loop feedback to communicate and get feedback and listening from the employees. And you have to constantly reinforce and iterate because things move quickly. So you have to be able to say, here's what we're going to go after. Did we get, were we successful? And then how did we do it? And how do we get smarter and better about that? So to me, it's a lot of daily, daily sort of hygiene, you know, being on it every day, conversing every day, making it one of your top priorities. I really love that. I, I, I'm 100% on board with you here. And the big question that I want to ask you, Amy, today is HR is such an interesting space where there, there's so many things that you're juggling. There's, there's so many administrative things that you got to deal with. And there's, there's the engagement piece. So, so how can you help what, what do you tell HR directors or how can you help us kind of get out of this mentality of 
when I come to work and I'm doing HR, I am running payroll. I'm taking care of benefits. I'm working on compensation. How, how do we get away from just getting caught up in that and looking more towards how can I, uh, how can I bring purpose to the work? How can I get behind the vision that you talked about and communicating so, so perfectly on those? What, where do we start? Yeah, that's a great question. Well, I think with any company, there's going to be run the business uh, responsibilities, things that make the business run. And oftentimes, you don't get a lot of reward or recognition if they're running well, but you certainly get a lot of uh, feedback when they aren't, you know, <laughs> i.e. you're not getting, you aren't paying people because your payroll system shut down, right? So there's things sometimes in HR where you're an unsung hero. Uh, and you have to be okay with that because some of the things we do maybe aren't sometimes glamorous, but without them, our employees would not be able to do their jobs every day. And you've got to, as a, as a manager and leader, recognize people for that work because it's important and it's critical. But in addition to that, there are things that I think you have to have that um, are, are beyond the day-to-day -day that are things that are really intrinsic to a company. And that's where you bring HR into the fold to say, you not only are helping people get paid on time, you're not only hiring people that will help sell our products, you, especially in Symantec, are fighting the bad guys. We're a company that we are out to fight, fight cybersecurity criminals and people who get into our personal or our enterprise systems to go, you know, try and find data and steal it and use it for bad. And so a lot of the work we do where I'm at, and I would suggest every company has a particular mission they can really use to motivate their employees, is you've got to continually talk about how that, that's such a critical mission and that we all have to be aligned towards that mission. And so in HR, I try to organize myself where I've got a, a good practice around run the business, and then I've got a good practice around initiatives and goals that are more aspirational, whether it's around better performance management, more conversations with employees around performance and, and, and development, whether it's around ways to train and retain, whether it's ways around making the business work better, faster, because then people can spend their time on things that are more important. Those to me are the connective tissue that I have to not only operationally set up for my organization, but constantly communicate and provide metrics to so we know how we're doing. So you have to bring it all together into the game. And, and whether you are the individual contributor or you're leading a large organization, everybody counts. And if you don't make that clear to everybody, then you'll begin to find people out in the margins and not in the conversation helping to contribute to the greater vision. So how, how do you make it clear? I think that's where the, the, the rubber meets the road, right? I, you know, a lot of folks, I think, stumble when it comes to communicating yeah. that vision, getting everyone on the same page. Uh, you know, I, I've been in organizations where every, every few months or every six months or I don't remember how often it was, the, the CEO sent out a newsletter, you know, and it was, I don't know, 30 paragraphs long and nobody read it because nobody cared. And they, but I'm certain that that CEO thought he or he was doing a great job communicating the mission and where everybody's going with, with the group. Um, but fact of the matter was he wasn't. Uh, so, so what, what, what practical things can we do to help with that communication? Uh, it's a great question because the days of static, you know, 30 paragraph notes from the corner office really mm -hmm. don't bode well. First of all, people are too busy Right. Uh, they don't have the attention span. Uh, and when they see something come through email, people don't even sometimes look at their emails anymore. Everything's on mobile. Mm. So what we try to do is a, is a pretty you know, um, systemic approach to how we communicate with our employees and how I'm trying to drive it in my organization on behalf of the business 
So one, we have to treat employees like they're consumers, like we are mm. outside of work every day and in work. And that means you want to send information to them when they need it. So it's just in time and they can actually apply it. So it's, it's uh, quicker information, more rapid in smaller tidbits to digest. It's used through our social media, whether it's our own Facebook pages, our LinkedIn pages for, for our company, Symantec, our Twitter account. How do we push information out through video on demand, which we're leveraging as a way to kind of put more context to what might be a written word message. Uh, we, as a matter of fact, do a lot of listening tours. So I've done at least 40 roundtables uh, around the globe with employees to hear from them about what they like about the company, what would they change? And then we've enlisted action and change plans around that. And it's not just me, that's my leaders, my leaders beneath me. So it has to start from the top and this is important. Then you have to use lots of different vehicles to communicate, whether it's helping our managers with how to talk with your employees. This is a startling statistic, but there was a recent Gartner uh, survey that said that 69% of managers are afraid to talk to their employees. Now, imagine I'm asking a manager to not only hire, but also put development plans in place, direct them towards tasks, as well as direct them towards goals and give them performance and feedback. That's a lot to ask anybody, but especially a, a cohort of people that are afraid to even talk to their employees. Mm. So we're trying to find ways to arm them to feel comfortable and be uh, capable of having these conversations because it, it starts with all of us going, it just can't be one person. So we use, use all those different vehicles to try and drive that constant conversation, the fact that things iterate and change quickly. You know, the days that those are the three goals for the year and we're going to stick with it are gone. Right. Goals yeah. change right. every day. So how do you have that relationship where people are agile enough, have the mindset to be agile, but also have the mechanisms in place to understand what's changed and they can pivot quick enough. Mm. So what sort of things do you do to help prepare those managers? Because that is, I think, one of the most critical pieces to what you just said is you, you can't talk, you do not have the bandwidth to talk to every single yeah. employee in the organization. And it's the managers that are going to be doing it. And if they're afraid, how do you help them overcome that fear? And how do you enable them and empower them to have those conversations? Yes, it's a great question. And I, you know, I've been in technology or tech, working in technology since 2000, um, which probably many of our listeners weren't born then. But um, <laughs> what I think about is uh, when I came into technology, I realized there were a lot of managers that were probably very brilliant technologists or great salespeople, but they, they thought the next step for them was to be a manager. And they found that that wasn't what they were equipped to do nor were they passionate about. And so I found a lot of really smart people trying to manage themselves in the paper bag and had a hard time with it. And I think in technology, very often managers are underserved because they're not just managing people, they're also doing. So I think the first thing you have to, you know, what we're doing here at Symantec is making management a destination to understand what it really means to take on a manager role. And it's not just a way to get an easy promotion, but there are responsibilities, there are accountabilities, and there are things you have to understand and be able to do uh, to be successful in that role. So we've gotten really clear about the capabilities, the competencies of what a good manager looks like here. And then we're focused on what we're calling a manager boot camp, which is a way to inculcate new managers into the system from being promoted from within, and managers from the outside have, have them understand how we manage at Symantec in terms of the tools we use, the, the capabilities that we expect them to possess, and helping them you know, maneuver through how to be a manager at Symantec. And then we do a lot of what we do is accelerated learning, which are simulations as well as opportunities to go solve big problems in the business. We bring teams together to teach them how to collaborate, how to work cross-organizationally, not just vertically. So how to work peer-to-peer, -peer, 
as well as how to work um, beneath you to help your organization to be successful. And those things are starting to build that management cadence. Right. Um, and the last two things that really matter right now for us is building financial acumen. If the managers and employees understand how to read a balance sheet, how to understand um, profit and loss, how we make money when we lose money, that's going to make them a lot more informed about the choices they make every day. So it's building those capabilities as well that really, manage, that really matter for the business and for the management team. A question that's been on my mind a lot is this idea of kind of speaking to what, what you just mentioned about ma- management being a destination the, with the with the traditional tendency of uh, promoting the top performers, promoting those that are that are best at their particular trade. Um, it, it seems, though, that promotions are tied to to raises. And so if, if I'm an employee and I don't really want to be a manager, but I know that you know, the only real progression is to start taking on management abilities as opposed to just becoming really good at programming or selling or, or whatever the case may be. It, it, do, do you find that there is this disconnect between um, tying uh, promotions and compensation to management, new management roles, or is, is it a natural progression? Um, yeah, I do think there's a disconnect. And I think what we're trying to promote has been and, and I think we've been trying to promote across the companies I work with over the last number of years is it's that career pathing is a lattice. And sometimes to get broader and be considered for the next opportunity, you have to go laterally versus always vertically. Mm. And I also think as people pick up new skills and capabilities, they don't have to be promoted to get increases and they don't have to be, um, they don't have to go vertical to get a promotion. There are people who can go from, you know, a, a, a senior to a principal and not necessarily change jobs, but just build a deep, deeper capability within that job. And now there are certain jobs that you're going to hit a wall or a ceiling, so to speak, because the, 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 the job goes no higher. And that's where you make a decision about, do I want to be a deep expert and stay in this or do I want to get broader and go horizontally to do things? But I think you have to open up your thought process around this because you can't promote everybody. Not everybody wants to do those jobs. So how do you give them other ways to learn, stay fresh, and, and grow, uh, and, and be able to maybe even be recognized for more of the, of the experience they've gained without having to go shoot for promotion? And that's how we look at it where I work today, is we look at the, the whole person versus the vertical career path, because sometimes that's not the way to get more pay and to get more experience. That's fantastic. Yeah, so great. Well, Amy, if we can pivot just a little bit here, I all of this is just such great information, and, and we're really just feverishly taking notes. We're like, <laughs> oh, this is yeah, this really is great. Well, you. you're you're very involved, not just in Symantec on the higher levels, but you're also involved in all of these councils: the National Diversity Council, the Forbes Human Resources Council. I'm curious, what what is the state of the union when it comes to HR, employee engagement, and and where what does the future hold? Well, I would say uh, we are all having to trying to figure this out together, especially on the diversity front. I mean, we know in technology and other other industries that there's a war for talent and there's only so much available capability in the workplace. And there are others who have the potential and the smarts just don't have the experience. So how do you give those those candidates an access to jobs they might not be qualified for, but certainly have the smarts to learn and you have to invest in them. So a lot of the work I do is, uh, is really do a lot of, you know, sharing ideas, uh, looking at data and insights, behaviors, understanding why people come, why they go, 
what's happening with peers and what I consider to be best in class companies to understand what they're learning from all this stuff. And we're all on a learning journey together because we're all trying to, to keep and engage our employees. There's a lot of studies out there that says like only like 20% of employees are engaged in the workplace right now. That's really scary. Mm-hmm. Uh, especially in light of the fact that we have, you know, uh, zero unemployment practically. So you can have a lot of people working and not loving what they're doing. So I think we're all trying to figure out how do we make work feel like a place that you can bring your best self to work every day. You, you can contribute, you can learn, you can be emotionally and physically safe and feel like you belong. And that, there's a lot to do with that. There's a lot of studies around that. And I think we're all trying to figure out back to your earlier questions. How do you operationalize that? What practical steps can you take? Um, that that uh, will work and that people will believe in and will be authentic. And so it's not, to me, it's not giving people free food. Um, mm. You know, it's not, uh, you know, ping pong tables are great and all that because you do sometimes need to walk around to get your, your, your um, head working. But it's, it's less of those things. It's more about how people are treated, how they're included, how they're uh, provided interesting opportunities to learn and grow. And that's the kind of stuff I'm working on right now. With my with my with the councils I belong in, as well as the work I do here at Symantec. So so help us out a little bit here. It sounds like we're we're narrowing it down, but like where do we get starts? Before I put in a purchase order for the ping pong table, do you have any like practical advice of start here first? <laughs> well, I guess I'm I'm a big believer of um, you know always know what problem you're solving before you go solution it. And so that that old, you know, quote from uh, Albert Einstein about if I had an hour to solve a problem, I take the first 55 minutes to get clear about the problem and I only take five minutes to solve it. Mm. So do you, do employees really want a ping pong table? Like, you know, we did something a couple of years back, which was called a, co- a, a cohort analysis, uh, which allowed us to go and ask employees from a various and different level of all these different types of benefits, uh, accoutrements, concierge things, what was most important to them? They had to compare them to each other. So it wasn't pick your top 10. It's, would you like to have you know, this or would you like to have this? And so coming out of that, it was really critical that we heard from our employees is, you know, one, we want this kind of benefit that we don't have today. You know, two, we want to be able to have an, a place for us to kind of get together on campus that's not in a conference room. So we want more collaborative and open workplaces. So it gave us all these ideas of things that really mattered versus what we think in management they want. We heard from the employees what was important to them mm. and it helped us really steer towards, you know, they really would like a better match on 401k than having more in ESBP as opposed to more equity at the lower levels. They'd like to have more cash. So it helps direct us in our reward systems, our benefit systems, um, how we run our business, how people are communicated to. And so I would encourage before you go out and get the ping pong table, get clear about is that what really matters for folks or is there something different that matters? Yeah, so 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 great. There's so much, so so much to unpack there, which which I I just love is let's let's get clear on the problem and then we'll move. We've had conversations in the past where sometimes HR directors get so excited about the latest and greatest technology, the new shiny toy, and they think that's going to solve their problems. When really it comes down to identifying what the problem actually is and then moving in that direction, using the technology to support. Your, your your solution the one of the things that i was thinking about as you're kind of going through these really great um initiatives that you have going i was just thinking about the the folks that don't engage in the organization how what is your what is your opinion or what is your um 
attitude towards the perhaps the bottom set of employees who just seem like they probably won't engage regardless? Do you try to convert them to the cause and get them engaged? Or at what point do you just say, well, they're going to do what they're going to do and it's not worth our effort to try to create an engagement strategy around them? Well, you know, I'm, I'm, an, I'm an optimist, so I'm, I'm always going to try and find a hook because the cost of um, firing and rehiring is so onerous to the business. Are there better ways to try and find a way to hook people back into the organization? And so if we know there is a, a group that's disenfranchised, we're going to spend time with them. I'm going to encourage the management team to, uh, that, that, that works in that organization to understand and get underneath of it. We do uh, every quarter pulse surveys from our employees to understand, you know, why are they staying? What was their, their desire to stay in the next year? Would they recommend this to the company? Mm-hmm. We do a, a pretty pervasive exit survey so I can figure out why are people leaving and what the rate of why they're leaving. And very often they're pretty, they're pretty clear with us about it. They don't, you know, mince words because we've asked them to be real so we can really learn from this. And so I try and use that, those metrics to understand what is the sentiment that they're against the particular cohort, whether it's women, men, early in career, middle managers, executives, understand what that issue is. And then we try to, you know, either identify some programs or way to support them. But at the end of the day, if somebody's not in and they don't want to be here and we feel like they're more disruptive to the business than they are uh, contributive, con- contributory, then, you know, we have a conversation and we understand what's underneath of it and what's not. And sometimes we may, we may part ways, but I really try and find every hook possible uh, to bring people into the fold. Cause I think once people are in, they're willing to stay. It's when they feel sort of left out or not included, or maybe they're just not bought into the mission. That's when we have to have those tougher discussions. Hmm. Yeah, that that's great. So, so as, as you're drilling down on this data, you, you know, I, I love the fact that you are asking the right questions and you're drilling deeper, like, please tell us how bad we are so that we can improve. Yeah. It takes a lot of humility. Bro. How much do we suck? Yeah. How much do we suck? Please tell me. Please. Yeah, and we need to hear that or we'll never improve and, and this ego will continue to get in the way Josh and I have that conversation once a week <laughs> <laughs> I'm kidding, I'm kidding. But, but okay and, and I'm just curious how, how do you once you have that data how do you pass it along to mid-level managers how do you meet them and say hey this is what our people are saying this is why they're leaving and this is what we need to do improve, to improve. If not, you know, like there's, there's, there's a lot of questions that go there. I'm curious, how does that conversation happen? Yeah. So we have um, pulse survey dashboards that the, um, the leadership team gets access to as well as the whole sort of um, sentiment survey that we have lots of depth to. And what we do is we roll those into the organization and then we use it to help managers get better about what they do. We are not at the point where we would have employees score their manager at this, at this place, but we do a lot of work of in the work team and you have to have more than five employees to do this because you want to create some, you know, you want to have an anonymity at all ends, but you don't want to out anybody with a small work team, but you begin to talk about, there are some spikes and trends. One survey does not beget there's a problem, but if there's a continuous trend around performance or feedback that we need to address, then we help that manager understand that and work with them on it. And sometimes um, it's a it's a capability gap. Sometimes it's a mindset gap. And so we try to address what it is to help those managers. And sometimes there will be scores that are low because we've recently done a restructuring. And that's to be expected. So we try to put as much context as we can around what's happening in that environment before we jump in and start to action plan, if that makes sense. Absolutely. Yes. And so do you... 
how do you feel, how do you hold those managers accountable though? I mean, is there an element of accountability for managers to say, you know, when, when talking with these managers saying, hey, listen, there is an expectation here that uh, your employees, the, the folks um, that report to you should have, I don't know, a, a level of engagement. I don't know, is there that accountability piece? Yeah, well, so what we do is as part of the performance process, we, we ask managers to put a goal related to how they want to think about their, you know, their, their engagement for their organization. And then we look at sort of a, an index to see, are you improving or are you not improving? Um, I don't think I'm going to fire anybody over low engagement scores unless it's a, it's a continuous effort and there are real sort of um, you know, liability issues in that organization. I'm going to try and help that manager be better or maybe move them into a different job that might better you know, um, exploit their capabilities and support. But it is part of the performance discussion. So it's not something that we do a survey and then don't look at it again till another year or to another quarter. Right. We actually use it as part of the, hey, how are you doing on that front? And how can we, what can we do to help you improve? Or, hey, you're fantastic. Can I use you as a use case? Right. For somebody else who's not as strong, so you can you can teach them what you're doing and some of the you know the, the tools of the trade to, to get better at that. Wonderful. We've had a wonderful conversation here, Amy. Thank you so much for jumping on the show. As we start to wrap things up here, is there any? Uh, I would just like to hear, if, if possible, what your mission statement is, or, or what drives you in the workplace, because you you are out there doing amazing things. And I just want to know what like gets you out of bed in the morning to, to continue to do this work and, and to promote what you do. That's a great question. You know, I, I would say, I don't know if it, I don't know if it's going to be a beautifully branded statement, but the thoughts that come to mind for me is I like to work in complex uh, uh, places where there's lots of interesting dynamics. Uh, the business models are cutting edge and make you think differently and it's in a market that's exciting. So that's, that, that gets me excited about the work I do in the business. Next mm -hmm. thing gets me excited is about people I can learn from that maybe play tennis better than me so that I can continue to hone my craft. While I've got lots of experience, I still have a lot of learning ahead of me. And then the last piece, because I have two young daughters, a 16 and 13 year old, is I'm all about giving people a voice and helping those that maybe are in the margins or not being heard come in to a place where they can be heard, where they can be their best, where they can bring their best self to work every day. So I am so into this notion of that everybody counts. Uh, doesn't matter who, where you're from, where you were born, uh, what, what your lineage is, what your skin color is, et cetera, that we all have something to contribute and we all have a responsibility to each other to support one another in the, in the world we live in today, not only in, in the enterprise that we work in. So those are the things that really get me excited. And then last would be, I want to pay it forward to the next generation. You know, when I was at uh, Frito-Lay many years ago uh, as, as a new HR associate, we had a seat at the table with the business and human resources. And it wasn't because I earned it. It was because the HR leaders before me proved the impact that HR can have. So my goal is to try and do the same thing for the next generation of human resource professionals that will be following me in these types of leadership roles. That's so inspiring. Yeah, a lot to live up to there. That's fantastic. Yeah, I just, I just love it. I well, love the you. forward thinking, progressive, and, and, and helping the younger generation. And we've obviously seen a, a beautiful career uh, of you doing that. So thank you so much. Listeners, if you would like to stay in touch with Amy, you can find her on Twitter at Amy Capilanti. We will be putting that in the show notes. <laughs> and Amy, thank you so much for taking the time out of your busy schedule to chat with us today. Thank you. It was my complete pleasure. I wish you guys the best, and I, I hope we can catch up again sometime soon. Thank you. All right. Take care.